We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's going to be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound Insights TV podcast. This is Kate Kalzik and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Uh, it's just all right. It's, I'm a little scattered today. <laughs> Hopefully that won't be a problem later, but it probably will be. Oh, interesting. Well, well, you'll have to get back to us, everybody listening. Let us know if uh, Simon's performance this week is deserving of some demerits, as it were. I'm, I'm speaking in demerits terms because I've been watching a lot of DS9, so I have all these, like, official <laughs> Starfully, like, yeah, I have all these terms in my, popping around in my brain. I had so much fun. I've been, like, marathoning hardcore. I think by the end of this week, I will have seen about half of the entire series. But Jesus. Uh, I, I remember watching it all when I was a kid. I'm just I'm having so much fun reliving it. My brain is currently exploded by the ridiculousness of, of Trials and Tribulations. Have you made an evaluative decision, DS9 versus TNG? Oh, well, yet? we're going to have to wait for our DS9 DVD shelf that is coming oh, up here. Enough. I don't want to you know, spoil too much, but uh, it's definitely been fun. I've been talking with a bunch of you guys about that. Brian, Matt, Shannon, Steve, Ken, Blaine, and Michael all have chipped in with various thoughts. It's been so much fun. Talked to Keith a little bit, who has, doesn't really watch Star Trek. Uh, but we did some original series and Andromeda talk. Dave and Aaron are enjoying the the 70 millimeter film festival down here in Chicago at the Music Box. Hopefully, I will run into one of you guys at one of the later screenings. We'll see how that goes, but fingers crossed. Let's see. Shannon is a Bunheads convert, so that was awesome to hear. Nice to have somebody else on the on the Bun Bunheads bandwagon. Let's see. Bob wanted to know about Amazing Race and Survivor pools. We have pools for each up going at Sound on Sight. Of course, we're doing our Televerse Amazing Race pool, which we will talk about a little later in the show. And uh, Dan, who writes our reviews for Survivor and does the recaps, is running a Survivor pool. So if either of those are interest, uh, of interest to you, let us know and we'll uh, hook you up with the appropriate contact person but yeah it's uh you're going down this year simon you're not winning am i yeah am i <laughs> we'll see. am i i don't think so um i, I we heard so. from tl foreman who is uh, a, a blogger as well as he is involved with back to frank black which is a a fan campaign to get more millennium made in some form tv movie probably you know comic book or something but anyways if you if you're interested in that you can check out back to frank black com. we wanted to i wanted to thank you for reaching out and apparently he enjoyed our millennium discussion of course that's all up at uh, sound on site we have a shiny new tv section that uh, is just lovely and complete with a whole little section of DVD shelf. Uh, so you can kind of skip through and see some of the other guest segments we've done in the past. So if you're new to the show and don't feel like listening to uh, the, the weeks in TV for a year ago, then you can still listen to those more evergreen segments. And then the uh, final thing is we heard from Bill and he and his wife thought Warm Bodies was, were both trying, they both thought Warm Bodies was trying to be Twilight um, he hated it, but she liked it. So I, I, that kind of puts, I don't know how that puts our, our, uh, walking dead podcast about that. I, I think 
it's a is that a net equal or I think so. Well, yeah, he definitely he agrees with us with Ricky and I on the Twilight thing, but the gender split seems to have persevered. Persevered. Also, so I don't know. Yeah, there's been a lot of fun kind of back and forth about that at the website. Of course, this is referencing one of our Walking Dead podcasts we did right before this new half season started. We talked about the the showrunner change that's going to occur at the end of the summer here, and as well as reviewing Warm Bodies, and it was a heated discussion. So yes, it was <laughs> more than most discussions about the walking dead. Actually, It was a lot of fun. So you should check that out. If you're at all interested, of course, again, it's at soundonsite.org. but um, we should see, we should talk a little bit about uh, Keanu month. I just finished listening to the other day, listening to your guys' discussion of, of uh, the, the three big Keanu movies that aren't the matrix. Yeah. Did you, did you have a good time? Yeah, it was fun though. I mean, I'm listening to your guest. Kate was awesome. Good name. Yes, she is. But uh, I got to say, I do very much enjoy B- A Bogus Journey. So I was, you know, I, I was You're, not You were with disappointed you guys by all the hate there, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. But it was still a lot of fun to listen to you guys talk about it. And I, I was, I'm actually thinking if I'm going to write up a defense of Bogus Journey. I would have to rewatch it first, but uh, we'll if see. you haven't, um, If you haven't listened to our David Lynch show or shows with her yet, you really should because those were amazing. Like, I, like over an hour each on Inland Empire and Mulholland Drive. Well, especially as David Lynch seems to be uh, winning the the poll right now for oh, I hope just it wins. just edging out favorite TV shows. So if you want Sound Insights monthly theme next month to be everybody's favorite TV shows of past and present, then you should go over to Sound Insight and vote because it's it's neck and neck. It's I think it's like fifty eight to fifty seven or something right now. It's really close. It's 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 close. Uh, I would be perfectly happy with David Lynch though because that because I have a plan to tack on. A, a Lynch movie to every Sound on Sight podcast for the entire month, which would make me very happy. Well, we'll see what happens, but uh, either way, it should be a lot of fun. And yes, and yes, either way, I'll probably end up listening to the David Lynch podcast once I once I broach Inland Empire. I will be right there. <laughs> Have fun with that. <laughs> but we should get into our weekend TV because there's a lot there's a lot of TV to talk about this week. Uh, most of the Tuesday shows kind of took the night off for the State of the Union, but we do uh, we are going to start with Justified and Foot Chase. Uh, which uh, saw the return of Gerald McRaney for at least this episode. I was very happily surprised that uh, he was not killed off on screen. So theoretically, he could recur at some point. I, I almost certainly will. I mean, most most people you see on Justified, you will see again. Uh, so yeah, the, the fact that they have Gerald McRaney floating around the universe now is is great. The rest of the episode really hit or miss. I thought it was probably the weakest of the season so far. Which is saying something because it, it, it still had some really good scenes. I think um, one scene that I wasn't sure how pe- how you were going to take until we talked about it right afterwards was actually the, the last sequence with uh, Boyd and Ava, which I know that we've had mixed feelings about that relationship and with what's happened with Ava over the course of the show, but... Damn, if that wasn't one great sequence. It was fabulous, yes. I, I was actually thinking about that as I was watching it. I, was, I gotta give the, the writer of the episode, as well as the just, you know, Graham Yost and, and Oliphant and the other producers and, and the writers from credit for uh, making me really love that scene, uh, despite, and, and really become inve- invested in that Boyd and Ava relationship, considering I was so against it a couple, couple seasons ago. Of course, the reason I was against it a couple seasons ago was because Ava's uh, became a different character. She's not the uh, season one Ava and season two Ava, season three Ava. Th- those are not the same Ava. So, mm-hmm. but I'm I have gotten to the point where I just don't. I'm okay with it because where they are now works, makes sense for the show, and you know that there's been some consistency with Ava 
from I would say part of season two, definitely season three and forward. So as soon as I accepted that this is not the Ava that was with Raylan and uh, in season one and that had that relationship, as soon as I just decided that, I was completely fine with that right. relationship. And I, that scene was beautiful. Yeah, uh, I especially loved the, the. Apparently, it was it was ad libbed, of course, but the, but Boyd getting the ring on the wrong finger was was, <laughs> was a nice touch, um, and uh, you 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 couldn't have planned that better. So that that was great. Unfortunately, the rest of the episode I didn't think was nearly that good. It had the the odd problem of not having enough Raylan in it. I I, I feel like okay, uh, you know, we we spent a lot of time with the peripheral characters, some of whom were interesting, but some of whom. I'm starting to lose interest in like uh, Colt, for instance, uh, Ron Eldard's character who just he's kind of going through the, a standard veteran junkie thing, which I mean, it shouldn't be standard, but it's I, I, you know, it's something I've seen before. And I'm not used to seeing things on Justify that I've seen done a whole bunch of times before. Like it makes sense for his character. Fine. But it's not breaking any new ground for me. Oh, I thought I was fine with that. I actually really liked what we got with Colt this week. And I, I like that it felt a little different than what I was expecting from that character and uh we'll, we'll see what happens with it moving forward but i like the increased presence of tim i thought the the thing with his his buddy or, or his uh former you know uh compatriot from I, their time in what he was in iraq or afghanistan he was in iraq yeah i thought that colt was in afghanistan colt was in afghanistan okay yeah i thought that the um that actually the stuff with tim worked really well and made sense and fit the flow especially because it looks like they are going to continue at least to some extent that tim and colt relationship and or at least you know continuing to use them as as other sides of a coin perhaps and so i really actually like that stuff i thought the stuff we got with jim beaver was fabulous it's like they listened to the podcast when they were yeah. making the show months ago but no it was great to finally find something out about shelby to have any sort of backstory for him and to really feel like he's a legitimate opponent at least in some extent against boyd last week and before it didn't seem like there was any he was just gonna get shot in the next episode as soon right, as he went yeah. up against boyd now he feels like a threat yeah, well, I mean, it was, it's don't get me wrong. It's always great to see Jim Beaver get more to do and to see him on my TV. And I, I, I do like the character of Shelby. Some of his dialogue was really clunky, though. Ah, uh, uh, see, which, I which had... I'm not, which I'm not used to from from Justify. Like that bit about about that really awkward sounding bit about trying to warn a man and it's raining when he's already wet. It's, oh, really? It's just you had to find a snappier way to say that, dude. It's justified. See, I had a problem with Raylan's dialogue in their, especially the three-person uh, scene with hit Boyd and and Shelby and Raylan. I had trouble with Raylan's dialogue, not Shelby's. It felt it felt very much. It felt very first draft. E. Yeah, I mean, th- a lot of the dialogue in the episode felt like that to me. Like e- even in that that early sequence with the other with with uh, with Shelby's people. Like, yeah, it was an all right scene, but I feel like justified usually has better singers than this we'll see hopefully that this is just sort of a blip but i did like the episode a lot more than you it sounds of course your review is up at sound on site people can check it out yes and uh yeah we'll have to see where we go from here but i was very surprised for example that romy rosemont was outed in a week i was i was actually rather disappointed by that that was wasn't great and i really didn't care for her henchmen who we just saw in this episode and then we're gone like it, it everyone felt Everyone in that side of the story this week felt too dim. I did. Enjoy, I, got, I want to mention. I heard from uh, Lewis who's talking about how, how TV, much like my complaint with the Last Resort finale and people taking implements, stabbing implements out of wounds when they should really stay in there. Uh, I heard from Lewis who had felt the need to chime in with the TV has to stop telling people that if you just 
burn a wound that it'll be magically better because it, it really doesn't help it makes everything worse it's a terrible idea <laughs> so i thought that was you know at least the people doing it were not the brightest bulbs in the box but uh, i thought that was actually pretty hilarious too so thank you lewis for that yeah yeah we we, we need to have reality checks like that on, on shows like this especially when there's going to be when there's fantastical wounds, like hands and feet getting chopped off left and right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see if there are any more appendages that go awry over the course of the season. But for now, we're still, I think, enjoying it. Uh, let's move on, though, to Wednesday and Top Chef Seattle. Glacial Gourmand, this was the, this got us down to our final two. Of course, before whoever is the winner of, of Last Chance Kitchen uh, is revealed next week. So we're down to Brooke and Sheldon and then it's either going to be Lizzie or Kristen. I think it's going to be Kristen based on their editing. I don't think Brooke would be as surprised if it was Lizzie. I think she's more surprised that it's Kristen because Kristen's been off the show for so long. But, of course, in Last Chance Kitchen, they didn't show us. And I was so frustrated that I remembered <laughs> feeling that exact thing last season when they did the same thing. Yeah, I remember hearing about that last year, and then I thought to myself, you know, this is the one week I'm glad I can't watch Last Chance Kitchen because I just imagine getting to that. Cause you, yeah. you, 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 from what I understand, Last Chance Kitchen is so like zippy and satisfying, and then to get to this week and have there be no proper ending is just like, oh, <sighs> you mother. So uh, that this week I was I was glad not to have that. Um, the, uh, I mean the to me the highlight of the episode actually wasn't the um, wasn't the competitions. It was actually just the the middle segment of them getting to eat other people's food for a change and getting mm -hmm. to sit down with Emeril Lagasse and the other guy whose name escapes me um, and uh, just just enjoy some 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 cooking for once and sit down and chat was actually great. Yeah, well, and to really see them as people for a little bit, especially because this has been a relatively, except for the Josie issues, this has been a relatively drama-free season. You know, they it doesn't feel like people are manufacturing characters for themselves so that they'll get more screen time. Um, so it was nice to really just sort of relax and not feel like there was anything too manufactured in the rest of their, their time. Their well, and you, and, you, time. and you can't manu manufacture things like the sheer delirium in Josh's wife's voice when, yeah. when wow. she's on the phone. Yeah, you don't really need to manufacture drama when one of your chef's wife is, you know, giving birth at the time, you know, while, while you're recording. Man. Yeah, how much were the producers high-fiving themselves over that decision? <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, it, it seems like things have gone gone well for, for Josh. At least he may be out of it for now, but I think he, he equipped himself well on the show. I, th I think he'll come out of the show with a, a fan base out there who will want to support him at his restaurant. Yeah. I mean, he's a fan of bacon. Like, if yeah. you if you want to garner fans, just say you like bacon a lot. The, the, the number of times they interviewed him, he's wearing my I Love Bacon shirt, like, I was like, I want that shirt. That shirt looks awesome. There you go. See, he's got a brand already. There you go. Um, so do you think you think it's going to be Kristen, too, or do you think it's going to be Lizzie? Oh, uh, Kristen. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't seen it, but yeah. But no, that's, that's I, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure she's still going to take the whole thing. It's going to be tight between her and Brooke, but yeah, I don't know. I, to me, there's not really still much of a contest. Figure, I would really love to see a, a, a two-female chef uh, finale, because only one woman has ever won Top Chef. That was Stephanie, Chicago girl. So it would be nice to see, you know, a real drag-out fight and have, is it going to be a female chef not be the question going into the finale? Right. So. We'll see what happens. Next up is Supernatural Trial and Error. I just want to mention this quickly. We have a, 
because we have a new arc for the season or at least some forward momentum. And I'm really looking forward to that, having this series of trials, which will lead, you know, it's, it's nice to have some direction in the show right now. I'm not super stoked about what they appear to be starting up with Kevin. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. And, and it seems like they're back to the, the key relationship of the brothers as well as, Again, I wish they hadn't dropped the cast stuff so quickly. It feels rather odd to have cast com- given such a prominent role and then completely disappeared from the show for the past several weeks. But I am very much enjoying... Uh, I enjoyed this past episode. It's nice to have the Hellhounds back. And uh, hopefully they'll just kill Crowley. It's time for Crowley to die. As much as I love Mark Shepard, Crowley needs to go. So we'll see what happens. But I, I am glad that there's more direction this season. And I did have a lot of fun with this show. I, have I told you about Implied Bitch and Implied Ladies? No. Okay, so it's this thing where watching shows with my sister is her idea. And it's pretty awesome where you when you're watching a show, you you when you get to the end of a scene, there's like some stinging last line, you know, cut reaction shot and then cut. And so you're so looking for when there's a implied bitch at the end of a scene. So, you know, I'm going to call your supervisor. You better. It's like, do what you want. I'm still going to be a cop. I am bitch. And like that kind of a thing. Looking for the implied bitch. And then watching DS nine with the, there's the woman, the, the ladies, man, doctor kind of character. So he has an applied ladies, Dimitri Martin style at the end of almost everything he says. So I've been very much enjoying going like approaching television with that perspective. And so uh, we were trying to decide whether Sam or Dean, which one is the implied bitch and which one is the implied ladies at the end of what they say. Um, I'm currently thinking that, that Dean is the implied ladies. Sam is the implied bitch. Like at the end of each of, you know, if you had to pick one for each, but I would love to hear from various listeners and see what they have to say. My dad uh, is pretty certain that Dean has the implied bitch. So let me know what you think. If you're listening, I would love to hear back, but, uh, Start looking for that, or if if actually now that I've said it, you probably won't be able to avoid seeing that. No, I really, I really can't. No. Yeah, it's 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 so much fun. It adds a whole other, you know, adds a whole other level of enjoyment to perhaps if you're not enjoying something. But we'll get to zero hour later. First, let's talk Southland, <laughs> hats and bats. Right. Uh, so we've never talked about Southland before, and I personally, I've been hearing raves about it for years. I feel like especially around season two or season three it started to really pick up some raves and I've been personally itching for a good cop show. So I was like, Hey, why not just jump into this? And I think the nice thing about uh, this premiere, at least for me is that, and maybe it's just me, but this could just as easily have been a pilot. Like, yeah. I didn't feel like I needed a previously on to catch me up with who these people are. I think the, the episode does a really good job of setting that up. And um, I, uh, I, I really have to, I have to give it up specifically to Regina King, who I think is, is fantastic on this. And I, 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 if, if the whole show is centered around her character, I think I would have been just as involved. Yeah. I've, I've seen some Southland over the years. I watched a bunch of the, the first season and, uh, the second as well. And every now and again, I haven't seen any in the past couple of years, but I, I've, I am familiar with the show. I, actually, that was one of the issues with this episode for me. It was a bit too piloty. It, there, I was getting, I was getting a little bothered by some of the dialogue. I was like, really, would that character really be saying this thing that both of them knows? Um, but that aside, I think that uh, the show has seemed to really flourish at TNT, and I, I'm very, I'm grateful to them that they've kept it on the air because you're right, it is a good cop show. It, uh, when we were talking about it earlier, you mentioned that it feels sort of like the Shield light, which 
really any when you say the shield light that doesn't really mean it's cop show light (laughs) not not so much light as it feels like it 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 has some aesthetic similarities with the shield and sort of a similar grittiness although it's very weird to see nudity and and swearing just censored Mm -hmm. Uh, like i'm not used to that because i don't watch a lot of tnt but anyway um but it it feels more like it's sort of a similar aesthetic to the shield but there's no sort of grand overarching drama with dirty cops and you know, super villain, uh, you know, super villain types lurching around the corner and evil superiors, etc. Like, there's way less. It's it's a lot more naturalistic than the Shield, mm-hmm. uh, but it does feel like it could theoretically take place in the same universe. Yeah, and uh, I, I did enjoy this. I think the performances, like you say, Regina King's very good. This is actually, f- for the most part, a very strong cast. It's a it's a deep bench, I would say. I, I very much enjoy Ben McKenzie, as well as I also really enjoy Michael Kudlitz. I don't know if that's how you say his last name, but uh, and that character, John Cooper, is is really um, one of the the highlights on the show as well. So yeah, I, I'm glad that it's it seems to still be going strong. And you know, it is different to see to have the characters and the the extras and stuff still have profanity in their dialogue and as well as be around nudity and just to have it pixelated out for the nudity and, and beeped. And, you know, I think it's, it's a different approach, but I like it because it feels more realistic than censoring it by just pretending not having that, it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like cops how don't many, swear. <laughs> yeah. And how many shows have, or in movies too have had scenes in strip clubs where, yeah, you know, no one's no one's stripping. It's like really, really, because they could get a better show if they went to the beach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 fun, and so I we'll see. Are you you're gonna keep watching week to week? I think so. Um, and, and yeah, I I feel like the show's take on sort of things we've seen in in cop shows before, like for instance, the the whole thing with the whole drama with the kid who doesn't want to testify because he's you know, because he has a you know a cultural problem around rape, et cetera, et cetera. Like I thought that was a little bit more nuanced than we're used to getting from shows like this. And and I, I I like that they find time for moments like Regina King's character just sort of waiting outside her house before she goes to deal with her newborn kid because she's just fed up. Like that little moments like that, I really I really dug and sort of convinced me to stick around. Yeah, I still would say I preferred Prime Suspect, but uh, but it, it they do feel like they could be in the same kind of world where you're following. Uh, you know the the a group of detectives, whereas in this one you're following mostly beat cops, and uh, it's you know a different experience. So so yeah. I, I still very much in, enjoy this show. So yes, uh, we'll see. How, I don't know how much I'm gonna watch it week to week, just because Wednesdays are busy for me. <laughs> but with Top Chef finishing up here, maybe there'll be more time. So I'll have to make right. space. On Thursday we're gonna we have the comedies, Community Parks and Rec, and Archer. We're also gonna throw Cougar Town in with these. So so t- talk about the Tuesday and Thursday comedies. The rest of the Tuesday comedies took the week off as i said earlier for the state of the union so a community we had or sorry cougar town we had flirting with time which was their valentine's day episode a community paranormal parentage which i think i would assume you didn't watch because of your relationship nope. with community we, we, we've been through this <laughs> and then parks and rec emergency response and which was sort of a valentine's day episode and archer vicious coupling which was also a valentine's day episode which one won for valentine's day archer come on <laughs> come on would you, is this really a question? Uh, you know, we weren't crazy about, or at least I wasn't crazy about uh, Archer last week, but I thought this was sort of a return to form and uh, and a really strong episode in general. I, I like what what the what they had to say about Archer and his sort of his attempts to bring bring back Katya, who's and I was so glad to find out that she was not, you know, yeah. n- not 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 the 
not the character she was appearing to be in the episode, which was a, a very Archer-like decision. I liked all the scenes with with Barry as well, and great use of Krieger too, who mm-hmm. is 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 I feel like is sort of the sh- if if the show has a secret weapon, I think it's probably him. Um, I did watch Cougar Town this week, and I'm sorry, but the sex coupon thing was creepy. I don't know what it is with me and Cougar Town, but every time I watch it, I find something creepy about it. And the whole idea of, like, coercive sex with your wife multiple times over a short period, that's creepy. <laughs> I was fine with it. I think cause maybe because I've, I'm more used to that relationship between the two of them, and it is so very much... Uh, I mean, I, they There's a lot of... Um, uh, power roles, you know, sort of in that relationship. And, um, and so I, I thought it was fine. I thought it made complete sense for the characters and it wasn't creepy for me because it wasn't creepy for them. So, you know, it felt, you know, cause it was really, all, it seemed, it seemed kind of creepy for her for like a stretch of the episode when she's what? hiding out at her friend's house. Yes. But because you always know that if she wanted to, if she really was like, no, he would respect that. And so she had the power in that relationship. She she did. Her face was saying no quite often. <laughs> See, I mean, and again, maybe that's just because I like because I, I have more, I'm more used to that character, and so to mm-hmm. me that make that makes sense for her. And and it also because <laughs> obviously he was having fun with it, but it was also he was intentionally building to that ripped up coupon present. So it was like all had been still staged kept by some him. Of the coupons. Yeah, he did, but that's that's their relationship. I was fine with it. What about uh, you know the because I know you you aren't a big fan of Cougar Town. What about the rest of the episode? Did you enjoy, for example, things Ellie would never say? I enjoyed that. That that was cute. Uh, I think the stuff that that worked for me best in in the episode was, and I'm sorry, I, I don't I I don't have the I, I don't watch the show often, so the character names don't come to me as easily. But I, I did like the stuff with uh, Courtney Cox's ex husband and current mm-hmm. husband and Bobby their, and Grayson. Their, yes, uh, there th- those were probably the best scenes of the episode. Yeah, they've done. They've handled that relationship, I think, very well. It's just as ever. It's just fun for me to hang out with these characters, and uh, I enjoy just things like um, <laughs> Jellybee, Lori, and Ellie. Their, their combative relationship, and the fact that Lori's completely fine at this point with Ellie constantly, you know, berating her because you know it comes from a place of mutual respect and uh, sparring. So I, you know, I enjoy it. But, uh, you know, I, I thank you for checking it out this week for, you know, giving, t- dipping a toe back in. But uh, mm-hmm. I would imagine you're not going to do that again for a while. Probably not. Not until you ask me to. You asked me to this week, so I did it. Cause well, I, you, know, you I, were saying I, I want to watch another show. Don't watch Zero Hour when you can watch <laughs> Cougar Town. Come on, sir. It's a well, cool, you, you know. You threw it out there, so I did it, you know. I will mention about uh, Community, Paranormal Parentage. This episode was felt like vintage uh, Community. There, it wasn't. Uh, it did feel a little bit too vintage Community in that some of the relationships felt like they had been regressed somewhat, uh, especially with with um, with Britta and and perhaps Jeff and some of the others. But I actually thought it was really funny. It was much better than last week, and it. If I had seen this and not known about the backstage drama, I would have just assumed it was regular, you know, Dan Harmon still running the show kind of community with with that uh, sort of strange element where the characters did feel slightly regressed in there, like like Jeff in his relationship with everybody else. But I did. It was nice to have Giancarlo Esposito back and uh, I enjoyed the um, 
all the different uh, scary haunted house shout outs. So I really actually had a lot of fun with community this week. Let's talk about uh, emergency response, though. The Parks and Rec episode, part one of two. Are they getting married next week? <gasps> uh, I, I was sort of hoping they'd get the wedding just done there this episode because, you know, Parks and Rec historically is good at surprise weddings, at mm-hmm. least once anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really that crazy about weddings as a storytelling device, mm-hmm. I mean, especially on sitcoms. It's been done to death. Uh, but you know, if they if they have to do it, they they have to do it. Um, I thought it was better and funnier than last week, but I don't know, still not quite up to like A level parks for me. Yeah, my only thing with the uh, I actually really really enjoyed it. Nice nice to have Matt Walsh back in this episode. I, I enjoy that character as well as he's just always funny. But I, I always think it's odd when you have characters throwing "Let's just get married now" things because. There so rarely seems to be a consideration of, I want my family there. So for, you know, when they had made such a big deal earlier in the season about Ben's father and mother and the father's girlfriend, you know, that delicate relationship and how important it was for them to all be there for the wedding. If they aren't there somehow next week, it's going to feel very strange to me. Yeah, I had, that hadn't even occurred to me. But yeah, I, I should hope there's some effort made next week to quickly rush them there but i mean you think we would have heard if uh if mike ermintrout was back on uh parks and rec but maybe you know maybe they're gonna you know surprise us with that otherwise i i like the episode a lot i come on ron on pawnee today it was pretty good yeah that was that that was great that was probably the, the comic highlight and again like I, I know that we've had problems with uh with ron and sort of being cartoonish and it's it's always a tricky balance with him and i think this towed the line just right yeah, very well uh, measured. Um, and then I guess with Archer, I I didn't really say I like this episode. I li- I really like the the stuff we got in the elevator with um, with, with Lana and how immediately undercut it was as soon as as he got the call from Katya. So yeah, yes. I, that was that was pretty. And how messed up Lana clearly is. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. That I, I, one of the most. Of- I think one of the reasons that Archer works so well is because it's got such a good sense of how damaged its characters are. Basically all of them. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. All of them. All of them. <laughs> all of them, including the ones who aren't human. Yeah. Or not fully human. Yeah. And uh, I, I think as long as it keeps that close and, and stay and pays attention to its characters and what's going on with them, I, I think, uh, I think the show will always be good. Yeah. Uh, next up is the zero hour pilot strike, which un- I have nothing new to say unfortunately that everybody else hasn't already said last week i didn't get to watch this uh episode this pilot early so if i had maybe i would have had something interesting to say but what it's basically what you've heard everywhere else it's crazy but it's not crazy enough so so they have a sort of crazy beginning and then a crazy end of the pilot um the reveal at the end of the pilot i felt like an idiot for not having seen it coming it was completely obvious in retrospect and that is that would be enough to get me to keep watching, except that the middle, like, two-thirds or even three-quarters of the episode was really rather boring and dull. And uh, when you have characters doing things like, there's something etched on side, the side of this diamond, and it's projected up into the wall. That's a treasure map. Like, really? Uh... Really? That's what you jump to? That's, that's a treasure map if I've ever seen one. It's like, you've never seen a treasure map. Isn't it sad that, like, the two major storytelling touchstones that have informed, like, all, like, most popular fiction over the last seven years has been The Da Vinci Code and Twilight, and we can never (laughs) seem to get out from under it? 
We're just buried under this avalanche of fictional shit. See, I didn't even feel like they were going for Da Vinci Code. Maybe that's what, you know, other people are, you know, felt like it was trying to imitate. I felt like it was trying to imitate Indiana Jones and just failing. So, especially with that correlation with the Nazis in there. I mean, I'm sorry, you're not Indiana Jones. And this <laughs> cast is not good enough to, to handle the levels to make this thing work. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't think I'll be checking it with zero hour. It could be one of those things where like I read recaps to see what kind of crazy stuff is going down, but I'm not going to spend, you know, an hour of my week or even 45 minutes, you know, skip, you know, fast forwarding through commercials to watch this, this show. And I can't advise that anyone else does the same. Yeah. It sounds just very silly to be honest, <laughs> but not quite silly enough, you know? Right. So anyways, let's, let's move on to the vampire diaries and down the rabbit hole. We had, a bunch of stuff go down this week. What had what most, you... most of which was in the last ninety seconds. Yeah, but I was I was good with that. Uh, it was nice to have the Vampire Diaries pace back. Yes, uh, I don't think it changes the fact that there's a lot about the master plot of this season that I find silly and pointless. Okay, but like just the the whole search for the cure thing, and then everyone getting so excited about it only to discover that there's only one kid. Like, were you really expecting there wasn't going to be a catch, you dumb idiots? Well, anyway. I, I remember when they started talking about, we can all be cured. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. When did that when did that switch Who happen? Who said that? Because yeah. they said, there's a cure. Because that was something that when they started to all talking about, oh, I want to be cured and I don't want to be cured. And you I was like, wait, that, that who said that yeah, that was going to be an option? The entire season and the entire story is dependent on everyone being a bit of a dummy, which well, I'm not crazy about. And the cure had been put there specifically with Silas so that Silas could be killed. So it wasn't like he's holding the kid. Oh, I'm like, are you going to put this under a lab, like under a microscope and re reproduce it in a lab? Why do you think he's going to have this giant pool of cure i mean which uh, and the can i just say the whole thing where silas was buried holding the thing that can kill like why didn't you just pour it down his effing gullet the first time because she wanted to punish him i it's she was it's, the whole thing is bitch. just bizarre i mean yeah okay it's great that jeremy dies at the end that that's great uh but although i haven't been convinced yet that he wasn't holding one of those rings of not getting killed I'm actually, I want to have, I want him to have a ring of not getting killed just because when Jeremy's around, Bonnie becomes way less annoying. Yeah, I don't know. It would be nice if, she, if Bonnie not be, being annoying or not being annoying wasn't dependent on having, you know, Jeremy around, but so it goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it goes with Bonnie who is having a terrible, terrible season. Yeah, not a good uh, season. She was better this week, though. I Whenever she's not around Silas, it really helps. I or, no, Sorry, not Silas, Shane. And uh, I really hope Shane just stays under that rock and we never see him again. I, nice. I, I, he actually got a dignified exit if that ends up being his last scene, but yeah. which I just know that it won't. It because won't. They, They're because not they just can't there. leave well enough alone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I would be perfectly happy with Jeremy being dead, although it does seem like a waste of all those muscles he built up. <laughs> well, and just... I really liked in this episode, and it's something I mentioned in my review, which is, again, up at Sound on Sight, is that it was really nice to have that, oh, you can see your dead loved ones immediately undercut by, it's like, no, I can see ghosts. I, I, there's no ghost there because I'm a medium and I can see them. So yeah. this is all you're being played. 
Oh. Every time I watch the Vampire Diaries, I need to remind myself who's got what powers and charms yeah. and abilities and how that goes with everyone else's and what curses are going on. It's com- it's complicated and, and mostly a good way, but I do feel like the show plays fast and loose with that sometimes. Oh, and speaking of which, why is Klaus still on this show also? Yeah. I, I, I'm still thinking that every every week. Yeah. And Rebecca. <laughs> I liked Rebecca more this week. Uh, I, the the hunter was the big thing. I was expecting a lot more from that hunter, and uh, he really didn't seem to do anything. Uh, but oh. I did. I enjoyed Damon. I enjoyed Stefan. I enjoyed Rebecca this week. I enjoyed the the dilemma of, you know, I, and it and it, it felt like Elena for the first time in quite a long time when she's like, I if there's only one cure, I don't have any right to it that anybody else doesn't. You know, it's not like yeah. I have a better. And that felt. Like vintage season one, yeah. season two. I, I've been a vampire for like two episodes. It's like it's there. There are people who have it worse off. We should feed it to Klaus, and then we can kill Klaus. You know, I like how it immediately was like, oh shit! If we don't get this and put it in Klaus, then it is going. He's going to kill all of us. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. What about you think about the big reveal at the end? Did you did you see it coming? I was thinking it was going to be uh, Elijah. Until we got that shot of her recognizing the person. Uh, the, the Catherine thing was was obviously was well executed. They've obviously been waiting for the right moment to do that, and I think they found it. Or they may, they're actually the right moment may have been several episodes ago. But um, no, I think I think it's a smart move, and hopefully the rest of the season will take its cue from those last few minutes and just start going real really batshit on us. Uh, yeah. Anything else would actually be really disappointing. Very disappointing. Do uh, do you? I, I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention this in my review. I really thought the the lighting and the set design of the caves was actually really well executed, as well as the sound design in the caves. So, as ever, usually the Vampire Diaries, their technical elements to the show are very well well executed. So I wanted to mention that. And the last thing is, what do you think Catherine wants with the cure? Because I don't think she wants to be human. I don't know. Um, doubtless it's nefarious and, and 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 will hopefully result in in less silly plotting and and i guess silas is around now so all right i want i'm, I'm still wondering if he's gonna be a guy wearing silly armor for the entire show or if he's gonna take it off and be another hunky white person we'll see what happens but uh yeah i'm kind of hoping that somehow like it doesn't even come into play for a while you'd think he would need to eat a lot of people to recover from thousands of years underground but who knows? Um, let's move on to Sunday, though. We have the Amazing Race premiere, uh, business in the front, party in the back. Um, did, now, did you get your picks in for the pool in time? I did. Uh, I did. I, now, did, how many points did you get? We had somebody had five and a couple people had four and the rest of us had zero. Oh, I had zero this week. Yes, I also had zero this week. So there's still plenty of time to jump in with the pool because most of us are at zero points anyways. There is, but you should be aware if you're going to join the pool that I'm going to be winning. <laughs> so yes i i have the same problem with this premiere that i have with every new season of the amazing race which is that it's so difficult to get to know 22 people in the space of 40 some odd minutes it's hard enough to know one person in the space of you know actual time in life so 22 people in that amount of time is is not so great although just based on this cursory view it doesn't seem like there's a lot of memorable contestants this time around but it you know it, it kind of always seems that way at first Interesting. I, I I thought there are plenty of inter- of interesting people. I mean, I, I I guess it's different if different question if they're me- like all time memorable racers or if just they seem like they'll do a good job on the race. There seemed like there were a lot of 
there, it seemed like there were a lot of competent teams this season, and it didn't necessarily seem like that last season. No, a lot of competent teams, just not a lot of people I'm that I sense I'm going to be rooting for actively. Okay. I like that I can actually tell the teams apart. There aren't like a million couples that, you know, have no distinguishing characteristics. So, yeah, there's the surfing couple and there's the newlywed couple. But, you know, I can actually keep everybody straight. And usually, you know, even because it is such a short premiere, as Dan mentioned in his uh, recap over at Sound On Sight, um, sometimes they make a 90-minute premiere, and that makes it a little easier to get a sense of who the people are. But uh, even with the short premiere, I did feel like I could keep track of who everybody was, even if we don't know very much about them. Uh, also, to be fair, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Team YouTube is my new married clowns. I think that... Oh, yeah. They're... No, they need to go down. Yeah, I, I really am not a fan of them. They were the ones that I had said when we were talking beforehand that there's one team that I they hate, and it's not the team that you're supposed to hate. It's them. Who's the team that you're supposed to hate? The people who are like, we'll be villains. Yeah, nobody's going to like us, but we're okay with that. I don't even remember that. Yeah, the, that's the, the, the newlywed couple. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the one who was yeah, they're kind of they're that wasn't great, but they're nowhere near as annoying as, as Team YouTube. Uh, yeah. They're they're the new married clowns for me. I'm I'm putting all my points on them going home <laughs> until they go home. I'm not even joking. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I I would uh, I would be behind that. I think I'll decide what I'm gonna do for my points for this next season for splitting them up. But most of them I'm really okay with um, continuing for a while. You know, so if once Team YouTube either becomes not annoying or is no longer on the show, I don't really have people I'm rooting against yet. Normally, it's easier to find root against than root for. Yeah, well, we'll see. There's going to be lots of time to sort out people you don't like. Uh, what do you think of the challenges? Um, I mean, the, the skydiving wasn't really a challenge. It was just sort of a thing to watch them do, which is <laughs> something The Amazing Race does about a quarter of the time. Uh, the Sandcastle thing looked horrendous. Just terrible. What did you think of the decision of the three to to call it? I thought that was smart, actually, uh, especially because it seemed like they'd been doing it for hours already, and mm -hmm. someone was seen to get heat stroke, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it seemed like, especially in, in the early running when there's so many teams, I don't think taking a penalty is that big a deal, and so I'm actually surprised I haven't seen more teams do that more often. Well, I think it made sense to have for them to all like if they could all agree to it. And they did get we did get the sense that they had been there. I think a couple different people said that they were there for three hours. Like, oh, so the people who got there first were, had been there for three hours and the people who came later were also there for three hours. So it seemed like that was the average time. The hockey guys, for example, found it a lot quicker. It seemed. Oh, that was so hilarious to watch uh, Idris uh, just just slowly lose his shit every time somebody else who got there after him found one of the the envelopes yeah, that, that was pretty good the rapidity with which they lost all uh sense of being civil with each other i think is a sign that they're not going to last very long uh oh those two we'll see we'll see what happens with it but yeah going immediately you know you see you've, it seems like the skydiving is going to be the hard like physical challenge and then clearly it really really wasn't <laughs> I think yeah. other teams would have been better off if they had switched out, you know, if they because they thought they should have the sportier of the two or the stronger, yes. maybe do the first one. And the then... thing is, that there's Oof. really nothing uh, physically challenging about falling. Yeah, is the thing. So just about you know fear of heights, but we'll I, I, yeah, you know, it's still early going. I, it was a creative challenge, and I really when I as soon as I saw, I was like, oh shit, that's gonna be hard um so it was appropriately daunting for a first challenge i guess we'll see how yeah how it goes moving forward next up is bob's burgers linda pendant woman and there was a song 
So I liked it. Of course. <laughs> It feels like, is it just me or has Bob's been doing more and more music over the last few episodes? Good for me. Uh, I, 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 I'm good with it. I love it. Yeah. Um, the, the song, that, the, the, uh, sorry, the musical sequence, uh, you know, the split screen with Linda and Bob in different places. I mean, that whole sequence was really nice. The rest of the episode, eh, I didn't laugh as much as I generally like to at Bob's, which was unfortunate. Oh, but come on. What about the stuff with Tina? Uh, the Tina stuff was probably the, the best plot, I thought. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, I don't know. I mean, it was a pretty it was a pretty standard let's disrupt the order of things so that they can be back to normal by the end of the episode. Although I am intrigued at the idea that Tina might actually have a boyfriend going forward for a little while. It'd be nice. Nice to change it up. Because I think if there's a show that, like of this, this sort that can change the status quo and have it work and have it not upset the balance. I think Bob's Burgers is the one I most trust to do that as compared to like, for example, the Simpsons almost always resets and uh, family guy and these other shows. But I, I think Bob's Burgers would have a lot of fun exploring Tina in a relationship. I very much like the shrimp balloons though. And the payoff of that at the end was, was pretty great. No, yeah, it was all right. No. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't feel, uh, it didn't feel destructive enough for <laughs> Louise. It, it felt like she should have done, they should have been exploding shrimp balloons. <laughs> Fair with enough. like, I don't know, condoms inside or something. Uh, let's move on, though, and talk about uh, girls, which is boys. And uh, we had Adam Driver back in a big way this week as Adam and Ray spend some time, to, quality time together. That was the highlight of the episode for me. What did you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. Alex Karpowski as, as Ray, I think, this week officially is as cool as Adam. I mean, especially because Adam's being kind of a dick this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just, it's, I mean, it's it's great to have Adam back at all, um, played by Adam Driver, of course. But I, I feel like this week we really get to spend more time with Ray and and figure out what he's about. And every aspect of their conversations I thought was was on the money and 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 hilarious. And the stuff with the dog was adorable. And that last scene was, was quite nice as well. Um, the stuff with Marnie and Booth Jonathan, I thought was, was good, although a little bit standard. And I, I was a little bit disappointed that by the end of it, uh, Booth just kind of seems like another, an, another wimpy dude when he was sort of the one guy around who was like super assertive and almost like scarily so. And to see him just sort of, you know, to see him just kind of be, turn out to be just as, I guess, um, just as in need of self-assurance as everyone else was a, l- a little disappointing, although it fits thematically. Well, see, I, I didn't think that was a change for him at all. He's been a child since he was first introduced. And so to see him throw a temper tantrum and break bottles and hope that his mommy figure will scold him and yours, you know, that, yeah, he's throwing a little spoiled, you know, artist type. Uh, I was going to say rich kid because that's what he felt like. <laughs> tantrum right. you know i was like oh i have a fabulous party and all these people coming to support me and they aren't my real friends and i'm blowing and, uh, smoke up their ass but they're the I, ones who are at fault i have to say it doesn't bother me so much as amuse me at this point but i like how in that first five minutes we get a scene immediately of yorma Takone just like full-fledged naked <laughs> and allison williams like chastely covered up in a blanket <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, well, I, and it fits for the character too. I think so. It's been yeah, it fun does. to watch the, the the reactions. I guess the the I, internet reactions to that. I I do find it a little uh, a little disappointing that we're now six episodes into the season, and I feel like Jess has gotten one good scene. Okay. Like this, the, the obviously the the breakup scene with Chris O'Dowd that was great, but beyond that, it doesn't seem like she's really gotten much to do this season. I actually really liked her very brief scene this week. I thought uh, 
it was actually really interesting. I'm curious what you think. I thought I was with her a hundred percent. Normally I'm not, I don't agree with Jessa, but I think she's right. And I don't think she was trying to rain on, on Hannah's parade, but I think Hannah no, has it's, it's, inflated. This she was thing. actually, she was actually trying to be helpful, I think in her, in her strange way. Yeah. And yeah. Although I, she probably could have said it more delicately or with, with less disdain. <laughs> And then the, the last thing I'll mention is that that final scene with with Marnie and Hannah was was so well done, so well executed and performed. And uh, yeah, that that just that relationship they've they've gotten me so on board with that friendship, and I I'm more invested in that relationship than I think any other. I care about yeah, Adam maybe. and Ray the most as characters, I think. But as far as one relationship goes, that's the one I care about. Well, I care about Tashana and Ray also because I, I feel like we, mm-hmm. it's now firmly established that Ray is a good guy, yeah. possibly the only straightforwardly <laughs> good guy. Like I think Adam's a good person who just happens to be really messed up and sometimes yeah. expresses himself in ways that are inappropriate uh, and steals dogs. Uh, oh, by the way, the Staten Island stuff was amazing. <laughs> I loved everything great. with that girl. That yeah. was great. Uh, anyway. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was uh, it was nice to see the show prove once again that it can do funny well and poignant well, um, especially after an episode like last week, which was sort of a formal break. It's funny that at this point the character I, I care least about might be Hannah, <laughs> uh, but you know that's that's a very girlsy problem to have, I guess. Yeah, it was nice to see. I mean, every I can't quite tell is she actually supposed to be a good writer? Because every now and again, I like that they do actually every now and again establish that. Maybe she actually really is very good, but you know, most of the time it doesn't really matter for the show. But I like that there's that option, that possibility that she's not only deluded. I I take her as being like I, I th- take it as sort of middle ground where it's like it's clear that she has she has a voice, but that voice is quite limited. Okay. To, to by her own personality, I, w- I would say, and I, I I hate to psychoanalyze the character and and. God, God, hope not. By extension, Lena Dunham, but uh, it, it it does feel like the show recognizes that. Yes, like she, it, it's it's her her vigor, I think, and, and her zest for experience gives her something, but it's not all there yet. Yeah, yeah. It's it, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this ebook. Hopefully, it doesn't get dropped. Um, we'll we'll see what happens moving forward. But uh, but yeah, it's it's been a. By the really way, you're the season. only person. You're the only person in human history to to say the sentence. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this ebook. <laughs> no one else has ever said that. And on that note, uh, but we of course have the Walking Dead podcast for this second episode, Home, that should already be up at Sound on Site, and as well as up in the Televerse MP3 and M4A iTunes feed. So you should already have that with our thoughts. There it was a lot of fun talking some more crazy Rick, but um, let's move on to the good wife, red team, blue team, which had one of its, its better, stronger episodes. I would say this season as well as a return of the shipping. What do you, what did you think? Oh yes. The shipping, the shipping never ends. Um, it was a, it was a very good episode. Don't get me wrong. It may have actually been the best of the season. I don't think it stands up there quite with the very best of the show. I think the main issue I had with this episode was the whole concept of a mock trial was like, yes, like a, I was so into that, especially because I'm a for, former debate nerd. But it kind of felt like they shortchanged it a bit by having uh, Will and Diane do such a crappy job. Like, even just yeah. like it just felt like they were like they didn't they weren't even trying. It, it, I mean, later in the episode, it kind of makes sense because Alicia just kind of goes nuts. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, earlier, it just it seems like they should have been way better prepared. Yeah, well, because you know they talk about how how these Will and Diane have been preparing this case for three months, and then they get to the mock trial, and yes, it's they are not expecting to actually have to do much of they get they get twenty four hours notice before, so it's not expected that the uh, def, the the prosecution, I guess their their opponents, will be able to give that much of a fight. But, but, it's, but it's Alicia and Carrie, like, they should really have seen it coming. Well, and also, regardless of who they're against, the the defense should still be a lot stronger than what we got. It seems like, because they do have Kalinda working on this, too. She was working for both sides, so she should have found some of the same stuff for, for both sides. I don't know. I thought that that stuff was a lot of fun. It was nice to see that judge back. Um, but, uh. But yeah, the highlight of the episode for me might have been Kyle McLaughlin. Yes, it was so well, especially just, you know, he doesn't really interact with anyone except for Carrie Preston Mm -hmm. and a little bit with Alan Cumming, I guess. And just their scenes together were so good. (laughs) It was was nice to be reminded how much of a joy it is to have Preston on the show. And we've discussed before that that character needs her own like USA spinoff, which I think we would both totally watch. Oh, yeah. And uh Cal McLaughlin would totally be at home on it for sure. And I, I'm just shocked that it's, it's, it's his first time on the show. Cause he's such a natural fit. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. And the stuff with, with, you know, ironically, I'm sure it was the stuff with Alicia and Will that got people most excited, but it was actually sort of the aspect of the episode I cared the least about. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was, um, I thought it made sense. I thought it was interesting. And I like that they do sort of, that sort of address, does address, there are still, this is, still a significant relationship it's not like they they were very heavily involved very uh had a very strong relationship and then they just she alicia broke it off because because of her kids and then it just went away and you know i like that this notion that they've perhaps not necessarily dealt with that relationship and those emotions and that there's still something there i think that makes sense and i think it makes sense for it to come out when when it did and in the way that it did um it was nice to have, as somebody who's watched enough Grey's Anatomy, it was nice to have the elevator as a not sexy place for, yes. for once. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll see what happens. With that. I'm sort of in wait and see mode with that. Um, but I was kind of hoping that she she and Carrie would just go. I, I want to see the, the Alicia and Carrie show, too. Yeah, and I think, I think they know that you kind of want to see that. And that's what makes those last scenes where... Uh, where Carrie and Kalinda are sort of off on the sidelines thinking, oh, well, she's not on our team anymore. Or at least that's what it seems to be. Yeah. I think that's what makes that scene work. And I like to me, that was a way more potent emotional beat than anything to do with Alicia and Will. Yeah. Well, we'll see uh, what happens with that as well. What are your predictions for the rest of the season? Anything come to mind? Uh, I don't know. I, I think Jesus and Barack Obama will show up at some point because <laughs> they seem to get everyone else. Um Oh, although on a side note, I noticed Justified is adding someone awesome again next week. So, Ooh. <laughs> spoilers. So I feel like it's neck and neck between it's those neck shows and neck between now. those two shows. Yeah, if there ever was a show, you know that that re- made it evident that Emmys need an ensemble acting, you know, category rather than giving five nominations to Modern Family, for example. This is the drama show the, you, between Justified as well. You could argue, but definitely Good Wife. 
the ensemble is so strong on that show. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Next up is Monday and Bunheads. It's not a mint. They didn't start with a dance this week on Bunheads, which is, I think, the first time in this half season that that's been the case. But we did get some some ballet in the background a little later. What did you think of this episode? And we also got one of their numbers from the reverse Billy Elliot thing. (laughs) Yeah. That was, I mean, it was, it was a cool number. It was, it's just the, the content was a little odd. Um, I, I like the that they're giving Mel more to do, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think she's got interesting chemistry with uh, – God, I've forgotten that guy's I name say, like, already. Dez? Something like that? Dev or something? I, yeah. I don't know. Or Bez. Bez or I, that, something like that. That guy. But the, the show has fun sort of toying with our perceptions of characters, and I think that's, uh, that's another area they're doing that in. Uh, the mystery of the condom not solved, mm-hmm. which I found interesting. I guess that's going to be a – <laughs> it was a bit of a strange cliffhanger, but all right. Um, I also really liked the uh, the scene between Michelle and Talia about you know, about her wedding and her insecurities and the pregnancy, and it was appropriately charged, but not too charged. Well, and I think uh, yeah, it was a good scene for the for that relationship. I think they've done a really good job of establishing that relationship in only a few, in only really a handful of episodes over the course of the first half and then the second half of the season. So that that relationship does feel very well well fleshed out and rounded and i think this is you know it's been nice to watch this arc with talia really be what i use it seems like what's going to push michelle out the door and get her you know really examining what she wants to be doing with her time and uh with with the the years of her career that she has ahead of her we already saw earlier last season the beginning of this season that she was already starting to lose out roles because she's too old so um, I, you know, I think that that sense of she still has some time is going to be um, important in this next this next episode. This next episode, which is the winter finale, by the way. What's up with that? Oh, man. We, a little notice would have been nice. ABC Family. Yeah. So just is there any word on if we can expect more Bunheads later? Or... Not yet. Oh, man. Yeah. This could it be the could last be episode. Oh, oh, well. Uh, that would be that would be sad. If it is the end next week, any uh, predictions and or hopes? Oh, God. Who's going to live? Who will die? I don't know. <laughs> I just hope they have all the bunheads and they have Fanny. Uh, and we actually get to, you know, see the, the whole main core cast next week. Yeah. I, I, st- I still find Fanny's appearances and disappearances to be completely arbitrary. <laughs> Absolutely. As long as we get a little time with Fanny next week, I think I'll be. And, and like I said, all the bunheads, I think I'll be a happy camper. But I guess we should go on because we, we still have our spotlight and our season spotlight to come. Let's take a little break, listen to some music, and come back with our spotlight of the week, which is the Americans and Gregory. look at the sun, it's all aglow. Slow burning stars sinking low.
That was Sunset by Roxy Music, which was featured this week over the end credits for the Americans. This is the third episode of their first season, Gregory, and I really liked it. I thought it was a really interesting direction to see them go. Um, it's not like it was a huge shift or anything, but again, we get an e- even closer focus on the, their relationships, center, central relationships, as well as uh, our first taste of Margot Martindale. What did you think of, of this episode and what put it, you know, what made it spotlight worthy for you? I think we got a lot of indicators about how the show is going to work from here on out in terms of how subtle the show is willing to be and how much it's willing to play its hand. I think we got a good example of that actually at the very end of the episode when um, when Margot Martindale's handler, who I guess they're going to go forward calling Granny, which I find <laughs> hilarious, um, when she gets a hold of the uh, of the uh, offending mother and child, and then we, at first I thought, okay, either we're gonna, either she's just, just going to shoot them both, or we're just not going to see anything, and then we got something in between, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think is is a solid indicator going forward of of, of what's the sort of the way we're going to see the show tackle things like this, and and also the the, I guess it, it's always it's always tricky, especially on on a niche on a channel like FX to see how edgy a show is going to get, and I I feel like the show found a nice balance there where I I, I didn't need like somebody chucking a baby over a bridge, but but I but I I think that they they had a I think the, I think the solution taken, uh, the road taken by by uh, by the Russians there was the appropriately grim one. I actually would have liked if we hadn't had as much information. I think it was obviously what they did made a lot of sense and was you know really fit. But I, I didn't. I felt like it was a little you know, too obvious. Like they felt the need to go in case you weren't sure. The yeah. Russians aren't necessarily good guys. <laughs> you'd think, yeah, you'd think that they would dispose of her body in a way where, because it seemed like they wanted to pretend at least to um, Elizabeth and Philip that she wasn't going to be killed. And then they dispose of her body in a way that she's going to be discovered, you know, because there had been news reports about, about the, that woman already it would it's not without uh, it's not with outside of the realm possibility that it'll get picked up by the press and the fact that she was killed will be made abundantly clear to, to philip and elizabeth and if that's the case then i i don't think they should have at least maybe that's a fault of the episode if, I, if I it seems they're... like they're supposed to because it, it seemed to me like they were that they thought that she was going to be fine like i didn't get any sense that they knew she was going to be killed i think uh, to me it it felt like like that whenever they said that she she was going to be fine it was just a matter of reassurance it wasn't mm-hmm. I, I i never really got the sense that they like that they really thought everyone was going to get out of this okay okay yeah i mean i guess it's just a different different reading of it we'll see if other things like that come up in the future if that affects their their handling of another situation maybe later in the season or next season or something like that um, but but other than that, I really like Margaret Martindale. I thought that her introductory introductory scenes, um, her first you know at the very beginning, and then when she's confronted by Philip, worked really well. And uh, it it should be fun to see her on there. I, I I am not particularly interested in Noah Emmerich's character right now. Is that just me? Uh, I'm always interested in Noah Emmerich's character, but I, I I think I was a little bit more interested in in of course the the title character we get this week played by Derek Luke who. Turns out to have a rather strong connection to uh, to Elizabeth, 
And that's also that's, of course, mainly a way for us to find out even more about their marriage and how sort of recently it is that they've actually come to, you know, they they did everything in reverse. They they met and had children and then later kind of started to develop feelings for each other. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, arranged marriage. Not so bad. <laughs> well, only if your matchmaker is the uh, the KGB, then in and then wait 15 years and then hopefully fingers crossed yeah maybe <laughs> yeah i thought that uh, his performance was really great actually i really like Derek luke and i hope he comes back on the show not in necessarily a recurring capacity but here and there that would be nice and i i do like that we are getting such a strong sense of their relationship like you said i, I like that they don't seem to have been on the same page at all about what their relationship was and that they both seem to have such strong ideas of what their relationship was and were so oblivious to where the other person was coming from. I thought I thought that uh, particularly um, the Carrie Russell played it really well. I loved that last scene of the two of them, of really her talking to him, but the two of them sitting, waiting for the kids to get up. Um, this is the part of the show that's interesting to me. And so there's been, there were, you know, there are some spy kind of capery things this week, but for the most part, it really feels like it's just a family kitchen sink drama about right. a, a pair of spies. Although I, I do think that the spy stuff we get this week is pretty great. The whole sequence with, um, with Derek Luke's people and spiriting away the, um, the, uh, the woman in question and, it was it was it was a very tense, well executed sequence, and I, I I like the whole notion that as soon as they get to Philly and they're dealing with, it, you know, they're dealing with black people, the CIA just doesn't really know what, <laughs> what they're doing. It's like we they're just they they have no point of reference for you know that they they have no reason to suspect anything, and they're just and so by the end they're just totally clueless. Mm hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fun because of course last uh, last week we had the reference to. Um, Noah Emmerich's character, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, his partner, as as being the not white guy <laughs> at the CIA. Yes. So the you know there's there's one not white person, and so to you know the fact that they don't even consider that that these these black uh, this black gang or group or whatever could be in any way related because Russians aren't black, so. Therefore, yeah. I thought that was actually um, pretty interesting. And we'll see, you know, how that affects how how they approach, you know, how, how at least he approaches, you know, the, this network of, of spies that they seem to have discovered and can't seem yeah. to hunt down. But I, but... I think it, I think in general, it's nice to have an episode where the CIA doesn't have their shit together right away. Mm -hmm. And we have to see them learn and adapt and change eventually, which did which we don't even get to this week. You know, I, I feel like last week we we saw them making headway at the same time that other that, you know, the, the Russians were making headway. And that was cool. But I think it's nice to see also people moving in opposite directions and then seeing how they recalibrate. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to get really really boring really quickly you can't have two sides equally uh, competent and equally um e equally informed and not have it just you know it's hard to for for that to really work almost always when you have that situation one side ends up looking really foolish so instead to just have them be behind the ball and trying to catch up i think makes a lot more sense it makes makes them a lot more competent i mean in a strange way so the fact that they don't know that they should be looking for people who don't look russian 
uh, tell, you know, yeah, they don't know what they don't. They know. don't know they what they don't know, and now they know what they don't know, and so they can you know move forward with it. So so within the parameters that they understood, they were functioning very well. Now they know they need to change their parameters. So we'll see, right? How that am, affects everything. Am I, am I the only one kind of hoping they go a totally ahistorical route with this? By the way, oh yeah. Like, can you imagine, like, if Reagan gets killed next week? Because I, 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 I noticed, I noticed there was some stuff about people getting shot next week. It's like Reagan dies, and then like, <laughs> and like the Cold War escalates. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Ah, uh, I've, I've, I've liked them having Reagan, a, a you know, a sort of hovering in the background. So I don't mm. want Reagan to to die in the fourth episode. But if they decide they want to go completely historical with it, I, I'm fine with that. I'm good with it. The would EU. Be even... It would be even cooler if it happens in like season four or something. <laughs> like, they just do it way later. Just That's a yep, total like hail mary turn. pass when the ratings are kind of down a bit. Yeah, <laughs> let's kill Reagan. Oh, good times. Any predictions for where it's going to go? Do you think we'll get more spy action, or do you think they're going to keep it the pace a little slower like it is this week? I don't know. the 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 promo makes it look pretty pretty intense again next week so we'll see uh I, I would like to spend a little bit more time with the kids as we did in the previous episode uh especially this the son i don't feel like we spent much time with but also he's younger so maybe he's less interesting i don't know <laughs> yeah it it does look like it's the next week is more going to be on the the wavelength of the clock so maybe that'll be you know sort of something that they should kind of shift back and forth between those two but it seems like they I mean there's three episodes in and they already have a really strong sense of the characters and the show and the yeah. world so well done to the americans and ratings seem to have stabilized at yeah. around what I would call the FX level of what they usually do. So I I would imagine it's safe. Well, but, and you know. last week they had really bad ratings, but then when you added in the, I think it was plus three days, like the DVR, it was up 58%. So, wow. yeah, a lot of that, people that, are watching the impressive. show, just not live. But also, uh, people, people were saying the ratings were really bad, but really the ratings were on par with justified more or less so yeah yeah well because it went from 3.2 million to 1.9 million or one or two million if you round up uh so so it it did significantly drop for, from the premiere but still it, it hasn't you know continued to really fall the bottom hasn't fallen on that fallen out or anything so hopefully more people will kind of find the show with the buzz that is still up there from critics and uh and it'll, it'll continue to grow it deserves to grow yeah, it'll get and hope. Yeah, it'll get the televerse bump, just like Woo! every other show we've ever liked that never got canceled. Yeah, totally. The fades did not get canceled. The hour did not, not canceled. Canceled. Awake. Prime uh... suspects. We need to. <laughs> we need to. You know, start liking shows that don't immediately die. <laughs> or we need to start liking bad shows. Well, so they... it'll 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 apply like reverse psychology and do no harm and so we start like we should like zero hour more. There you go. Yes. <laughs> well, when we start talking about Zero Hour instead of the Americans, clearly we need to move on. So let's take another break, listen to a clip and some music, and come back and talk in depth about House of Cards and spoilers ahoy. So if you if you are are not complete, uh, you've not seen all of House of Cards yet, go ahead and press pause and come back to this episode when you have a chance. Or if you don't mind being spoiled, that works too. But you've been officially warned. So let's take a break and come back and talk some House of Cards. Frank. We are not nominating you for Secretary of State. How could you not see this coming? I know what I have to do. Good. Retribution? No, no. It's more than that. We are no longer bound by allegiances. We serve no one. We live by one rule and one rule 
ourselves to be put in such a position. I have a sense you've been disseminating some misinformation. You might very well think that. I couldn't possibly comment. I did not write these words. When I carve him up and toss him to the dogs, only then will he confront that brutal, inescapable truth. You fucked all of us. I better get to work. a clip from one of the House of Cards trailers as well as the theme song for House of Cards and it's time for our season one spotlight uh, on the series which has been such an interesting experiment for television for Netflix and even just in in viewing patterns watching on Twitter if, if you if you search House of Cards on Twitter almost all the things that pop up that aren't ads at least uh, tend to be people reporting on how much of it they've seen, especially if you look for critic posts. It tends to be, I'm eight episodes in, or I'm I'm only five episodes in, or I finished it finally. It's It's been interesting to kind of follow people's reactions and, and, and the way that they've been watching. Of course, I marathoned it and so that I could have the review up right away at Sound On Sight. If you are curious of my fuller thoughts, you can see that there's a review of the first six episodes and the review of the second half of the season as well. How did you watch House of Cards? I sort of spooned it out over about a month, which I feel like is probably going to be the average. You know, there's the insane Kate approach of watching it all in 36 hours, and then there's what regular people do, which is they watch 13 episodes of television over about, you know, four weeks. <laughs> that seems far more manageable and less crazy. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have to say, I think that the discussion around House of Cards and the release strategy and all that is maybe more interesting than House of Cards. Um, I I uh, when I think the last time we talked about it, I'd watched the first four or five episodes, and I felt like it was building up steam. And I, I think that, for me, the best episodes are in the middle stretch. And then it kind of lost me in the last three or four episodes. Okay, what about it? Um, I think the... The decision, the, the the direction they took the the Russo character, I didn't find particularly interesting, um, and I and also I think after that character depart, we're in the spoiler area. Yeah. After they after they you know after he dies, we're left. It made me realize that we're left with an entire show full of people I don't care about. Yeah, yeah, and they at that point they have started to do some character correction on Zoe. So I think you're supposed to start to identify with her and um, and want to root for her as and her little gang of people who are gonna break the story and take him down it, but yeah uh, that, didn't, that didn't work for me i think that they they paint such a bleak uh portrait of journalists in general that by the end i basically was when i was watching this the scene of, of zoe and her and her co-workers it was just kind of like watching vultures squawk at each other 
<laughs> That's a uh, interesting uh, descriptor. Yeah, I really think the watching the second half of this of the series, this first season, that is, I was very impressed by Corey Stoll, who plays the Peter Russo character. I, I really was impressed with him. I, I'm sure I've seen him in other things. He's been around for a while, but I was not really aware of him. Is now he's going to be somebody whose name I know, <laughs> as opposed to definitely that yeah. guy. But I think I think he's fantastic. And I actually I didn't have any trouble with his arc. I really enjoyed watching his arc. And and at the beginning of the the series, the first several episodes, I would say four or five, I was not invested in that character at all. I didn't really. It was another sort of character I've seen before, and it's really to the credit of the actor as well as the writing that they managed to make me so invested in his decline, his episode basically where they, where they kill him, where he falls off the wagon, and I, I my watching it, my heart just fell as he went when he went up to that room, and I every every decision that he makes, I was like. Oh, don't do it. Okay, now get out of there. No, don't do the interview. Now, and the fact that I I was actually that invested surprised me very much and also it's cr- a credit to the to their writing. I I guess for me the problem was it was such it seemed to me such a foregone conclusion once we see him even just not leaving the room when mm-hmm. Rachel, you know, hits on him and offers him a drink. Like, okay, this is the end. I am, and, and I wasn't sure how long the end was going to take. The end ended up taking an episode and a half to happen. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it seemed to me like there was no turning back from there. So it just it, it was definitely effective, but it was I, I felt like it was a little bit too drawn out. Well, I mean, I knew that when you're watching, you know what's going to happen. But then you're still, at least for me, I was still kind of hoping that somehow it wouldn't. You know, I felt, I felt very connected uh, with that character in that I was like, I know as soon as she as soon as she put the 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 vodka or whatever on his lips and he licked it and kind of, you know, that look in that moment, I was like, you know what he's going to do from there on out. But every like, at least for me, every time watching it, I just I wanted to be wrong about that Mm -hmm. so much. What now that leads me to my biggest problem with this entire series. I don't buy um, I don't buy Underwood killing him. At least not in that way. I, I I had a big. It didn't make sense to me, and I I mean I understand him dying or him contributing to him, but the way that he kills him, I thought it was foolish. It didn't. There there's a big hole in there where it, it's going to be easy for somebody else to see through it, and I really didn't like the handling of it. As I discussed this in my review with a mega spoiler alert, where. Has he done this before? Is this is this something new? He's never like we don't know. We don't get any of his reaction to the fact that he's just killed a man, at all. Yeah, and maybe we should talk about his reaction to things. And by that I mean his uh, his asides, his utterly uh, annoying asides, his utterly annoying asides, and the timing of when they happen, oh which seems God. to me to be totally arbitrary. Um, the middle of that yeah. speech uh, at, at the church where he's he's just getting a momentum going in his speech and then they cut to an aside and I'm like, you've just lost this entire eulogy is now terrible. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 a real problem and it's obviously something there. I mean, th- th- there is going to be a second season, right? Netflix yes, already it, paid for it. Yeah. Um, oh, God, I wish they just ditched that device in season two, but you know they won't. Well, it's from uh, the it, original, it, but I, I yeah. don't care. The, the the first few episodes, I, I, I kind of felt like it worked some of the time, mm-hmm. but then I, I was expecting it to grow on me, but it actually made me more annoyed over the course <laughs> of the entire seri- ser- uh, season, which 
I wasn't expecting. Especially, like, I can't think of anything useful they can... Like, once you get who Underwood is and sort of the parameters of his life and his work, you really don't need it anymore. No, you Um, don't. So it's arguable if you needed it at all to begin with. So by the end, when he's talking to heaven and then talking to hell, it really... Yeah. Oh, that stuff was painful. Um, Well, I mean, and if they're going to use that device at various points, there are other characters I am far more interested in hearing and aside from than than Underwood. Yeah, I had that same thought. It just got too repetitive. Yeah, it would have been great to have asides from Robin Wright or Corey Stoll or... Yeah, absolutely. um, Kristen Connolly, et cetera, et cetera. Like, those characters would have been way more... Like, I think if, if every character had the opportunity or at least there was the possibility that it could come from anyone i think that would actually be a really interesting device well yeah and especially as i mean because having the sides only come from frank puts it in the perspective of this is his point of view he's telling you the story he's leading you through the story which you know gives you an unreliable narrator and that can be interesting except when they cut away and there's stuff that he couldn't possibly know or be you know be in control of the, the, the storytelling for and then then it makes it just makes it feel very strange to have your your narrator who that those asides create that relationship with the audience completely separate so and i it feels like they want to have them both have it both ways and i i don't think you can do that yeah i i think also the monologues connect to um one of my other problems with the show which is actually spacey i think that i think he's a good actor i'm not sure it's great casting um, I, I feel like Spacey's too obviously slimy. Like, I, I don't really get that. Like, he's, you know, he's clearly, he's, he's very good at playing the scenes of manipulation, et cetera, et cetera. And he clearly digs into the monologues with, you know, great zest. But I don't really buy that, that people trust him at all. Like, he just seems too odious, too outwardly odious. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, I I was fine with Kevin Spacey actually. I thought he does uh, did a really good job in this, and I thought actually I would say he was very well cast. But I I would I'm curious how much of that is in the character and in the performance, and how much of that is what we bring to, to with Kevin Spacey. You know, because he's played many characters like this. This is not a new character for no. for him, and so when we watch him in a, in a setting at some some gala gala or ball or something like that and he's schmoozing around we just like if you showed us that scene without any other context we would we would immediately not trust him because he's kevin spacey and is he playing the the trustworthy character or the completely slimy manipulative character we're always going to associate spacey at least for now unless he has some other huge character that comes down the line later we're going to associate him with the slime ball because he he's so good at that he relishes that he brings a lot of of um uh, a lot of energy to to that and a lot of like that smirk is always on in his eyes in a character like this so so for me i mean i i thought that it worked well but i absolutely see where you're coming from and um and i'm yeah what do you think about it do you think that's in the character or do you think that's in our relationship with spacey um, I, I, it's, it's really hard to tell. You're right. It's, it's hard to, to delineate our perception of, of actors based on their oeuvre, uh, versus <laughs> what they're doing in a, in a, in a particular thing. Um, but it was something that I kept coming back to. And I, and I think, it, and I think if I'm doing that, a lot of other viewers are probably doing the same thing. So I think in that sense, I'm not sure if it, I mean, I think it was great casting in the sense of having an A-lister mm-hmm. top line your series. I'm not sure it was great casting in the sense of building a convincing universe. 
that that we don't find distracting. I think also in terms of this universe, I, I think I was also distracted because we have some characters that are really well rounded, like uh, like Underwood for the most part, and, and Robin Wright's character. Although, frankly, I got bored with the charity stuff by the midway through the <laughs> by, by the midway point of the season. But anyway, uh, and then we have characters like uh, like Michael Kelly's character Stamper, and I, I like like. Uh, He's a, you know, a veteran character actor. I always like seeing him around. But by the midway point of the season, I'm, I'm just thinking, why does he, what does he get out of this job? It just seems mm-hmm. like an odd, like he he just he basically like stalks around DC, destroying people and and then like setting things up. And I I mean I guess it I mean it's, it's a job like any other, but it just it I, I he's you know again why don't we get a monologue from him? Like because I'm just wondering the whole time what is what are you thinking? Well, actually, I think that's one of the, the great things about the performance. I think the performance from Michael Kelly is fabulous. I think he's really good as Doug. I, I would agree there are some problems in, in the writing and the conceptualization of the character, but I think that Kelly hits it out of the park as yeah. as Stamper, the, but, the, uh, but the chief of like, staff. But the fact that he's like an ex-alcoholic who helps set up the downfall of another mm-hmm. alcoholic, just and then and then it doesn't even have a moment to reflect or think about it or say anything about it, seems well, but like I, a, I get that from his performance. I, I see in that scene where he talks, he's talking to, to Underwood and he says, we, if we, we can't come back from this. I got a strong sense from him. We didn't know what this was at that point in, mm-hmm. in the, this, the arc, but I got a strong sense that he really didn't want to, that he would, but he really didn't want to. He was very uncomfortable with what was happening. And then when you see that sort of escalate to him realizing that Underwood has killed Russo that I thought that just that 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 burst of emotion where he can't for for once he can't keep swallowing down his anger and his uh his his own uh what is the word I'm going for disgust yeah his disgust with himself as well as Underwood I, I thought it was just a powerful performance I think he did does a good job of kind of showing those shades maybe were you it sounds like you weren't seeing that as much as I was maybe I was reading into it uh, I, I think I just would have liked a little bit more time with the character because it, it, mm-hmm. it, it just seemed like the show was happy to have him just be an underling and I wanted to get a little bit more time with him and like, Absolutely. figure out what really makes him tick. Like, did did did, did, what, did we really need the entire sojourn into Kevin Spacey's alma mater episode and then not spend time with <laughs> this other character? I'm not sure. Uh, although, actually, I think we should discuss that episode in particular. Um, I like that episode. It, it's it's an interesting episode. I'm not sure. Like while I was watching it, I enjoyed it. But then when I got to the end of the, of, of the season, I thought to myself, "What did that contribute exactly?" Like I, I, I thought it had some nice moments, but it seemed to be basically there to get us to sort of like Underwood a little bit, and and to see that he's got that he has. There's Underwood in job mode, which is what we're seeing ninety percent of the time, and then there's the rest of his life, which is what we see, I guess, in that episode, and. It was an interesting idea. I'm not sure the execution was all that great in the context of the season. I actually think, um, at least for, for, for where I'm at with it now, maybe if uh, if I watch some of this again before the next season, I'll have a different take on it. I think it was good to have a break from from regular Underwood and to have a break from the scheming for the most part in that episode. I think after because it's a, it's a rather oppressive series. It's consistently destroying people that's like what this entire thing is this entire series is and so to have a little bit of a breather i think is 
was important before the the push towards the the final arc with destroying Russo and and the uh, the vice president and all of that. I think it was good to have a little bit of a breather. Yeah, I, I think I think in that sense it was good. I'm just I'm just not sure that it that what it told us about Underwood carried over into any other part of the series. And it's true. And like by the end of it, he was you know he was just back to being an unlikable sociopath. So like I'm not really sure the show does like even tries to reconcile those two parts of his character. Well, I think other people might not. I think other people might say that he is likable, or at least that he's interesting to watch. That he there's charisma there. Obviously, Kevin Spacey has a lot of charisma as an actor, and you you it's sort of I would imagine the same people who like Tony Soprano may like uh, Underwood. Um, I don't really get that. Or the people who who right. like um, Walt Walter White certainly. Right. And we we all know how David Chase felt about people who liked Tony Soprano. But um, um, so I mean, I do think that there is a, a, a impish likability to to some of Underwood. Of course, that for me is belied by his you know just downright evil actions at some points of the series. When you talk about. Um, uh, so I want to go back to talking about um, with Spacey and what we bring to him. Uh, I'm curious what, what what you thought about the Gerald McRaney's character. Did you have the same thing where you were bringing I don't trust this guy to to that character? Uh, I I wasn't thinking so much about that. I was just sort of happy to see him. I'm always happy to see McRaney, and mm-hmm. um, I, it, it was interesting to see him in a very Hearst like role. Actually, uh, not too <laughs> dissimilar from what he did on Deadwood, although I guess not as not as straightforwardly evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I thought McGrady was great in his two episodes at the end there. Um, and, and we haven't even, we, we haven't even discussed Robin Wright yet, who is, is so good in this. She's, she's, she's very good. Um, I, again, I'm not sure I'm, I, I'm all that crazy about the direction they took with her character and with the charity storyline. Okay. And like for for instance, it's really interesting at first when um you know after Spacey sleeps with Mara, and then you find out they have this you know, this arrangement, this essentially open marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, like th- when you first find that out, and then for the next few episodes after that, I found their scenes together really interesting. Um, but then at the end when they when they sort of split apart, and it's and then you're you're essentially getting a, a standard, you know infidelity plot line from that you would get with any other marriage it's just you know with with a little bit of filigree around it which was a little disappointing oh i liked that uh that bit uh, you're talking about when she goes off with the uh the artist the photographer guy. photographer yeah. yeah no actually i thought that was interesting because I, I again maybe and again maybe this was because i mainlined it so i was very much watching for for those those arcs but um having i, I thought the the progression of her character from completely at ease with though she doesn't like it with uh, his relationship with uh, Underwood's that is relationship with Zoe um, to, to watching how that informs her reactions with, with the photographer and then, and then the, the straw that breaks the back and she's like, and her going off and saying, screw this, I'm just going to, you know, leave. And the fact that Russo's death is what brings her back. I mean, I think that actually is all, was all very interesting. I all, it helps that I really like Ben Daniels as well, who plays the photographer. I very much enjoyed watching him on uh, Law and Order UK for a while while he was still mm. on there. A lot of fun, but but having uh, having that, you know, especially the the way that the that affair starts when she chooses to leave. I expect I did not expect her to stay as as long as she did 
with with right. the photographer. I thought that was very interesting. And then the fact that Russo's death is what brings her back. Do you think that's on Underwood's mind as he's as he's uh, deciding that he's going to kill Russo? Uh, that hadn't occurred to me, but uh, I mean, it's it's always a possibility. I mean, I, I I found when the season ended and we got the full view of that scheme, I found the whole thing a little bit ridiculous to be honest i mean there was okay. it was whenever we get it's 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 very rare that i get to the end of of, of a season of television and so and, and we see the full arc of somebody's massive scheme to whatever to conquer the universe to blow yeah. up the world to become vice president <laughs> it's very rare that i that, that you can sit down and think about it and not have what hitchcock would term a fridge moment <laughs> and i feel like there's a bunch of those in this um but um yeah, I, I think my, my my principal issue with the Robin Wright character is is I really wanted to like her. Like I, I really <laughs> wanted to, to I I really wanted to, to empathize with her, especially because, you know, Frank Francis is, is is such a creep and and you know, I think the moment that I realized I wasn't going to was actually in the midway point of the season when she has that encounter with the homeless guy who gives her the origami. Which mm-hmm. okay, I'm sorry. A homeless person is never going to give you origami. That's especially made out of money. Like really, anyway, I, I, I hated that. Uh, okay. but, but and then she develops an interest in origami because that homeless guy gave her money origami. Like, oh, really? And then it, <laughs> then it becoming a a motif through the whole season just reminded me how much I hated that scene. Was that just me? <laughs> I, I, I didn't it hate it. Me. I thought it was fine. Um, the I, I mean, I, I really and I've noticed a sort of. Um, it seems like most people really do appreciate Ramrath's performance. I I think she's great, I, but I have noticed some people kind of going, "Why? What's the big deal?" It, I really like that she isn't likable. That it, the character sort of flirts with likability, especially when you see her questioning her decisions, kind of wishing she had a family, wishing she had kids, um, and then decide, you know, if she's going to stay with the photographer and have a family, or is she going to go back with Underwood and probably, right. you know, I actually really like that exploration and i believe her as his wife i if she was likable i would not believe her as married to this I, shark i i guess by the end especially with russo gone i just really wanted anyone to be likable at yeah. all and I, I some some shows can get away with with not having anyone be likable but i'm not sure if a show that's this self-serious and this grim all the time can get away with it can Actually, I'm just sorry, not to tangent us too much, but I can't think of a single show where nobody is likable and it works. Uh, so I, I I feel like there are comedies that can get away with it. Um, okay, well, yeah, like, always like sunny. Like, it's always sunny, for instance. Like, like you know, they, they have a backdoor to being likable by being funny. Yeah. But on a drama, you've got no backdoor, except maybe through charisma. Like, Breaking mm-hmm. Bad almost gets away with it sometimes. Well, they, they but they, there's a... Uh... Aaron Paul's character, he's likable. Yeah, there's there's Jesse, but he's you know he's not always a he's, he's not, not a good guy, but he's likable. Yes, uh, House, on House of Cards, like it's with Stoll gone. Like I think we both agree, there's nobody likable. No, they need to they need to work on on a few things, and that yeah. kind of takes me to to Kate Mara as Zoe. I I, th- I feel like that character is really flawed. I don't understand quite what she's supposed to be. I, I do think they start examining some really interesting things about about her her background and her self-worth and all that. I think there is actually a lot of exploration with that character over the course of this, in the middle especially of the season. But I don't really, are we supposed to care about her? Are we supposed to like her? Because she, you know, it's, I have such a remove from her. Yeah. 
And I, I think that, the, again, I, I feel like with each plot line, there was moments I knew that it wasn't working for me. I think the moment I knew that one wasn't working for real was that scene midway through with the spider. And, like, we're going to, besides the incredibly obvious symbolism, which was really bothering me, mm-hmm. uh, just just watching that dynamic play out, I, I was I was just, I just realized it was not going to be interesting for the rest of this series. <laughs> And uh, for the, uh, of this or the season at least, and I just think in general the portrait of, of journalism of, of journalists throughout was just kind of one note. And I mean, especially when when you only have two, you, you know, you, you have two female journalist characters, and and they 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 both openly talk about how they prostituted themselves for for sources and stories. It's like, uh, really? <laughs> See, but I actually like the Janine Skorsky character, Catherine Zimmer's character. Uh, I, I actually enjoy her. As, well, she was, as, she was more fun to watch than than Mara, the, anyway. Yeah. Um, the the other thing I want to mention, I because I, I, I wanted to specifically mention that I very much liked Zimmer. I also I also really like Sandrine uh, Holt as Jillian Cole. I thought that actually that character became a lot more interesting at the very end when she realized she was totally cool with lying lying and perjuring herself to 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 you know really get her her project back. Um, yeah. Though I, I was just I kept waiting for for uh, Claire to pull out a recorder or something, because you would never say yes, I lie. You never you never do that. That's never a good idea. But yeah, the other no. thing I, I needed to mention was, really, this presidency, this president is that weak. How does that? How does somebody that weak become the president? And and you can't become the chief the the the, the president if you have a chief of staff who's gonna turn on you that quickly and try to manipulate you that that much i mean i, I don't believe it uh yeah well I, I i actually find like i don't know if you've ever, if you've ever noticed this but tv presidents are almost always way more boring than actual presidents and i, I felt like in this this particular president la- really lacked charisma and, and and interest like he was just kind of a pretty boy I don't know. I think uh, you have you have uh, Bartlett on the West Wing is is fabulous. You have um, uh, Dennis Haysbert, uh, President Palmer on Twenty Four, excellent. Laura, President Laura Roslin, excellent. Even Adar in his two scenes was was really good. There, I think there are plenty of really good presidents, but usually they have to be a main character if they're a periphery character. Yeah. Like I don't care about the president on Scandal. In the few episodes I've watched, I really don't care about the president on Scandal. Um, but this president, I mean, may- maybe they need to give him more to do. Yeah, I I, I also find it interesting that I, I feel like I've watched. If, uh, I I think it also happened on, um, on on political animals that there was there was an attempt that like the the vice president was going to step down and like what mm-hmm. why, what is it with with like unhappy vice presidents on television always wanting to like mix things up like that never happens in real life no it that's that's not how it goes real life doesn't work that way and yeah, yeah it is it is it's like they talk about in in house of cards it's not it's kind of a crap job like on the scale of things it's not as awesome as it would seem apparently to be the vice president that seems like a pretty common thing that's come up in when you interview when you watch interviews with politicians and 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 behind the scenes people but they know what they're signing up for it's not like it's a secret that it kind of sucks to be vice president yeah but Um... you get to be vice president yeah, I, I I feel like I've I've maybe been too negative. I I do want to stress that there are a few episodes I really like. I especially like the um. Actually, I think my favorite episode overall was probably I I think it was somewhere between four and seven when uh, Underwood is actually just doing his regular actual job 
and yeah. helping to uh, helping to get the the education bill passed. Mm-hmm. Um, like that stuff was great, and like yeah. I I could I could actually watch a, a, a series of him doing his job and not just relentlessly scheming to you know to assassinate the North Korean president or or, or anything. Like I, I don't need him walking around the Capitol building with a bomb strapped to his chest. I don't need him you know mm-hmm. d- doing like. I don't need scheming Underwood. I'm perfectly happy with doing his job Underwood. Yeah, and that might even be more interesting. And I do think you're right. We should uh we should mention that we it, it, this is a very well-made series. It looks great. The uh it sounds it sounds very good. I like the music overall is is it's not like the it's not exploding my brain with awesome, but it it, it is it functions very well in the series. Uh the the cinematography looks beautiful it's not as yeah. interesting as maybe that was in the pilot but in general it looks really good the performances across the board are very good i think we have a few problems with some of the writing and some of the decisions uh that they the way they decided to go um with their their overall arcs and, and you know what they wanted to focus on but on the whole this is a lot of people doing a lot of really good work the thing is it's just you want it to be among the best on yeah on you, TV. you totally like you you want you you kind of are well although is it just me or or is is there a feeling among tv critics that i i, I kind of feel like like some of them aren't really didn't really give the show a proper chance because they're not crazy about something that totally breaks tv format and kind Model. of messes with their day job i don't know maybe that's just me but um yeah i i i wanted it to be great and i i felt like it fell far short of that i feel like netflix just played it too safe Mm-hmm. And you know, went for an existing property, and you know, as, as I said when we did our sort of brief review earlier, went with people they knew they could trust to deliver a solid product, which it, which it is. But uh, I, I don't feel like it takes enough chances, and uh, and the chances it does take, I'm not sure are worth taking. Like for instance, the asides and mm-hmm. and just the sheer uh, bleak unlikability of the entire setting and <laughs> and you know set of characters, and then you know, killing your only likable guy. Uh, and you know, and I guess Kristen Connolly's character is kind of likable, but then without Corey Stoll around, she doesn't get anything to do. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. For me, the big question, I guess, are you going to tune in next season? Um, I think I'll probably watch the first couple episodes of the next season and see if they fix their tonal problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know what? I'd also like next season is maybe for the dialogue to be slightly less over the top. Uh, yeah. that, that was something that kept pulling me out a lot. Like whenever Kevin Spacey's character would talk about how. No one should defy him or whatever. It's like this isn't fucking Spartacus, dude. I wish it was Spartacus. Can you actually House of Cards done exactly like Spartacus would be amazing. That'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I do think this is a good show. I will check in next season. I don't know if I will sign up to watch thirteen the episodes. Thirteen episodes in, in yeah. like a day and a half. But uh, but I do, I definitely will check back in next season and and see you know it, what what gets adjusted from this first this first. Uh, outing and i do i do agree it'll be interesting to see what you know what steps netflix takes from here because like you said this is a a fairly safe choice for their first series they've already commissioned their first children's tv series so it'll be kind of interesting to see if they go maybe a little more little more daring with their second original series whenever they whatever they launch next well and speaking of safe i mean the next thing up is arrested development yes that can't get much safer than that we think we hope fingers yeah. crossed you can't get safe I, in that. and if anything there's a show that can totally play with format and do and and do really interesting stuff so hopefully they do that yeah and we'll, yeah, we'll arrested definitely development be... playing it safe does not sound interesting to me 
Arrested Development playing it safe sounds very confusing. That sounds like bizarro Arrested Development. That I'm sure that 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 will not be the issues that we discuss when when Arrested Development premieres. So a few notes here before we end the show. Uh, of course, our intro and outro music is "Sweet Petite" by The Bicycles, and I'm also gonna throw <laughs> I'm gonna throw the the Bob's Burgers song here on the end before we go into our outro music because it's awesome and it's only a minute. So if you haven't heard it yet. It'll be here and it'll give you a little taste of why you should be watching Bob's Burgers. Um, of course, we will have a post up at soundonsite.org and you can leave a comment there. Let us know what you think of House of Cards, of the Americans, of everything else that aired this week and uh, if, whether we should dive back in with Smash next week once we get to episodes I haven't seen yet. I, I haven't decided right. yet. Um, and I was going to ask you what the question should be, but I'm very curious, uh, if if I may, sir, uh, take over your role this week. I want to hear people's thoughts on implied bitch and implied uh, ladies. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to about the 16 minute mark. 16 and a half, I think, is where that's at. Um, but I would love to hear what people's, uh, like, their default um, implied bitch and implied ladies would uh, Underwood, be. Underwood, by the way, is totally an implied bitch. Totally implied bitch there. I would say, for example, like I said earlier, I've been watching a lot of Star Trek. Kirk has got to be an implied ladies, right? Just always. Uh, and Stoll is an implied ladies. Stoll is an implied ladies. So uh, let us know what uh, what you think about that. I would love to hear your, your feedback. And uh, let's see. Also, of course, we're up in iTunes. We have an M4A chaptered feed as well as an MP3 unchaptered feed. And you can uh, leave us a rating or a review there. That We would very much appreciate that. And as ever, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. You are? I'm at Sucker Howell. And you can, if you want to get a hold of us another way, you can, of course, email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. We are still taking new people for the Amazing Race pool. Go ahead and email me um, at the Televerse, and we'll get you hooked up with that. I think is there anything else? What have I forgotten? There will be a prize apparently if you join if you join that. Yes, there will be a prize and it will be a fabulous prize. I just don't know what it is yet, but there will be one and it will be cool. And All so right. you should definitely join the pool. I think we're at like um 7 or 8 people right now, but I th- we can we can handle a few more. So, let we us know. We can. Yeah. And uh as ever, thank you everybody for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. <laughs> Look at me, I'm wrangling these cots on my own. Look at me, I'm chopping up this lettuce all alone. I'm at work and you can hear me sing. This is working, this is working. Grind, 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 gr